I don't know what you mean about no curled open, Chris. Oh, look, I've just curled open the show. Oh, Chris. I know. It makes a complete change. Uh, right, hi, everyone. It's a three legs, four wheels, slash everything F1 hybrid team-up podcast tonight. It's like, it's like that episode of um, The Simpsons when the Family Guy cast turned up. <laughs> but um, who's Homer? <laughs> so... Um, there are actually eight of us on the show, so rather than... Are there eight? I thought there were nine. There are nine of us on the show. Sorry, we have the return of Flood. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Um, along with, I'll let everyone, it's Paul obviously here, and I'll let everyone introduce themselves, starting with Team Three Legs, Four Wheels. We oh, am I, am I going first? Has out yet? Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm, ooh, I've lost my voice all of a sudden, that's helpful. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Kieran. Hi, I'm Lee. And Flood, you might as well say something. Well, I already said hello. But okay, <laughs> hi everyone. <laughs> and then um, the team from Everything F1 as well. So I'm, well, you call me Tiller on the podcast, so Tiller. Uh, so yeah, that's me. Hello. Anyone volunteering to go next? <laughs> go, Coops. No. Oh, no. is that uh, Coops? Sorry, Coops, you go. Uh, I'm Coops. I'll I'll go next. Hi, I'm Hamish. And hi, I'm Amy. So we've been we've been talking about um, doing a joint show for the last the last few weeks, and um, we're kind of um, all in it together like some giant Belgium 1998 pileup now. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of us has Ricardo Rossett? <laughs> who was? Who I've, was I've got the, his model in front of me. Who was the last one to arrive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh damn, that's me! <laughs> Obviously, everyone's favourite Ricardo Rossett story was uh, after one particular crash, and he came back to the paddock, and uh, the mechanics had rearranged the letters on his paddock scooter to say "tosser." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, kind of just in time because um, we are on the verge of the twenty twenty four F one season, which again promis- promises to be the longest one ever. Is it the weekend after next? It is. That has come around ridiculously quickly. It it really has. And don't forget, um, last season finished earlier than the one before. Yeah. Mm. Because um, 22... I can't, I can't remember what year it is. 22 ran into December, at least. At least we were out of the way by the end of November this year. Yeah. So we, we didn't have Christmas carols on the podium. Which is a shame. Well, you sort <laughs> of still do, because the um, Dutch National Anthem is basically... A more boring version of partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to it; you'll never get it out of your head. <laughs> oh, great! Thanks. We all needed that. Um, so, yeah, we've got um, we've got testing this weekend, and we have a fresh glut of ten cars that have been launched. Anybody want to kick us off with um, anything in particular they've noticed about um, things to look forward to with this year's entries? I think, first of all, they're all going to look a bit the same, aren't they? Because they've all gone very dark on the liveries, from what we've seen. Certainly darker than last year, which I'm not a fan of. I don't like having to think about what I'm looking at. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, that what's, what's really interesting, saying they all look the same. I didn't even think about liveries to begin with. I thought about all the cars look the same, because they've all nicked the Red Bull design for 2023. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Red Bull, and it's this absolute terrifying behemoth of a thing, which I don't quite understand. <laughs> And makes me even more worried that this year might be more of a clean sweep. Um, so I think I'm going to be watching out for for Red Bull and how what the hell they've come up with over over that winter break and how they're turning Mercedes inventions, which they couldn't work, 
into something that does work. I think that's what's really interesting about Red Bull this season. Yeah, it this feels if if there was ever a year to stick that tenor on a single driver and team to win every race. I I don't think I've seen Formula One where that looks as ominous mm. as what mm. Verstappen and a good Red Bull could do. Oh, I thought you were going to say Logan Sargent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Damn, that's a tenor I'm not going to see again. <laughs> I mean, the, the, thing is, the thing is with Red Bull, it's another Adrian Newey car, and... That, you know, when when he's on a run, they are completely and utterly unstoppable. Um, one thing, one thing that has become clear about Red Bull is the renders that they released. Though it doesn't look like that's going to be what the car, what the car we're going to see. Um, actually, in two days' time, when testing starts. I mean, when is what that it, ever the case for yeah, car launches it, that we see anything other than a first draft? Yeah. But I think um, I think they're all um, they're all hiding them in the renders this year. What was it, what was it? Mercedes with a what looked like a double suspension, just to catch people out. Yeah, what was with that? It, it sort of looked like they've gone three ways of a suspension. We've got your regular, and then they've put in two extra arms just to go. Guess what we're doing? <laughs> we can't. We've forgone. Uh, there's always red herrings, isn't there? Um, I was mm. when, well, first no sidepod year with Mercedes. Did the whole testing, didn't they, with sidepods, and then appeared on the first day of testing with none. Um, and you feel that is going to be the way of a lot of teams. And I reckon you might see a couple of teams have displayed the likeliness of 2023's Red Bull, but might do something different in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think everyone's gone for that design. It almost feels a bit stupid that you also nick that because you're just going to be the same level as all your competitors. And I think that's what Red Bull's figured out. I think Red Bull have gone, well, if we do this design again, everyone else is going to be on the exact same pace and we need to try and figure something out, Uh, which is probably Mercedes' weakness. You know, maybe if they had stuck with it, who knows? But you can't say that now, can we, after we all slated the no sidepod design for two years. So Mm. anyway. No, I think it's safe to say that that was the wrong design. <laughs> two years of absolute diabolical, uh, yeah, results. I, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah, I think it was a part of a wrong design, wasn't it? It wasn't that that was necessarily. It, it got picked up as the big thing that was uh, the problem. But I think that Mercedes over the last couple of years had a lot of problems, uh, and they were they were easily washed away by giving the car conventional side pods. Um, I think this year we'll see something a bit different from Mercedes, but yeah, it'd be really interesting if Red Bull have managed to make something work that Mercedes have binned. It'd be embarrassing, that will be. Uh, I feel like maybe that's a bold statement to say, but like, if, 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 if anything, what it says is that Red Bull can do what Mercedes can't, and you know, not to mention 2021, but you know, it, that, that legacy still exists, and I think you know, there'll be a very happy Christian Horner that he's able to show up Total Wolf in that way. Um, so I think Total will be watching very closely Red Bull and that that zero sidepod, zero, sorry, zero sidepod design that's meant to come in apparently in April. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to watch unfold. I wouldn't be surprised if they were so confident about other elements of the car that they're almost, I don't know, it's probably unprofessional to say that they're trolling um no, it feels the like trolling. <laughs> but yeah, they've, they've just gone, well, this is definitely going to win us 22 races minimum next year. Can we zero pod this? Let's give it a go. See how it looks. I, I wonder whether Red Bull are 
like quietly worried about Mercedes because it's easy to it's easy to give Mercedes the Daniel Ricardo treatment at the minute because we you know it's we have we had Ricardo pin, pinned down as like a possible world champion at one point then he has two bad seasons with McLaren and we chuck him in the bin um Mercedes were like were neck and neck with Red Bull fighting in the closest championship we've probably ever seen in Formula One. Then they went down a bad development path for two seasons. And it's almost like we've kind of wrote them off as being able to fix those problems where realistically, when you think about it, I would be shocked if they weren't like the second quickest car this year uh, and like much closer to to Red Bull than they have been if they can, if they've got themselves out of this like bad avenue they went down in development yeah you've got to remember as well this is this will be the first car since james allison's comeback that he's had full kind of yeah say over so hopefully you know he can at least bring it forwards so we've got a more competitive season you know his his say over all things you know aerodynamics and you know design is going to help uh bring it forward to the front yeah. My only thought, though, would be that, uh, do you know, like Lewis Hamilton um, obviously has announced that he's leaving. Is it because <gasps> he's got no confidence in his team? Like, I just think maybe he knows that they're not going to develop the car. I don't know. It, I just think it was him leaving. I did kind of have, um, like, I did kind of think he'd go to Ferrari anyway, but if he's leaving, I didn't think it'd be this soon. And maybe it's because he hasn't got confidence that they will build a car that's, like, winning worthy. I was yeah. reading something the other day, talk about Lewis leaving, and um, they they kind of pointed more towards the fact that Lewis was wanting to to extend his contract again, but they wouldn't extend his contract far enough into the future mm-hmm. um, for him because they've still got an eye on, uh, is it Kimi Antonelli? Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, and there's a, a little bit of me wonders whether that was Lewis's like breaking point to leave, you know, if he, if he, if he felt like, you know, he has been top dog in formula one for a number of years, I'd say he he's lost the top dog in formula one moniker right now to Max Verstappen. And mm. then to lose that within his own team, I think might've been enough to push him to move. Cause I, 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 I don't think it's, lack of faith that Mercedes will get it back together. You know, if you, if you don't, if you don't think your current team is going to give you a car to win, you don't go to Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was all to do with this, you know, 10 year ambassador role as well. You know, this is what he was pushing for with Mercedes for a long time. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I think they'd be kicking themselves actually for not just offering that role. Because I think he probably would have stayed with just that. You know, that's that's 10 more years of wages for him. Not that he needs more money, but, uh, you know, it, it's just that kind of legacy, I guess, that he gets, gets to kind of live uh, for the next few years. And it's, part, it's, it's actually partly Max Verstappen's fault that this has happened because when Max Verstappen was in Formula 3, he wasn't tied to Red Bull till halfway through the season and Mercedes had the chance to take him and they missed the boat. And it went to to- and he went to Toro Rosso, and he is where he is. And the hype around Antonelli just now is like the second coming of a Max Verstappen already. Mm. Mm. And they do not want to lose that opportunity a second time. Mm. So I think that's why they've decided they're not going to give... They've basically went down the Alpine negotiation with the drivers 
and went, yeah, you're good, but we're not going to give you what you want. And he just went, well, no, someone else is going to give me the money because they've got their eye on Antonelli and the hope that he comes to F2. Because he's not doing F3, he's went straight to F2. Mm-hmm. And he actually good in, the in hope testing that, as well in F2. Yeah. And the hope is that he is as good as the hype is in F2 and he's, he goes where they, they all think he's going to go. And then by 25, he'll be in the car. So that's what's happened is the reason that Hamilton has signed for Ferrari. I mean, my my take on uh, on the timing of the Lewis announcement is, t- come twenty six, we've got the um, we've got the next set of regulations coming in, so the cars are going to get developed in twenty five, and I think Lewis wanted to sort out his team for twenty five and twenty six all at the same time, so he could have a say in what the car under the new regulations acted like. And if Mercedes weren't prepared to give him a contract into 26, then I think the time was actually completely ideal for him to uh, to make the move. He's done the same thing, hasn't he, that he did with Mercedes' move. Mm. He, he went to Mercedes a year before the big regulation change in 2014. And that worked out well for him. Um, but, I mean, the move to Ferrari, are Ferrari going to get it right? I, I, if they're going to get it right under anyone, I believe they get it right under Fred Vasseur. There is actually rumours that they're, I can't remember his name, but it's the second in charge under AJ Newey at Red Bull that they're looking to get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pierre Vache. Yeah, yeah. apparently that Ferrari are opening the checkbook to get him in. And then God knows if the Horner situation goes the way it's going. Will Adrian Newey decide on the third time of asking to jump to Ferrari, knowing yeah. that Lewis Hamilton is sitting there? And this would be his almost Ross Braun-style career swan song yep. of one last big job. Well, that's that's the only thing... Well, those are the two only things he wishes that he was able to do in his career, and that was Ferrari and Lewis Hamilton, so he could do it all in one hit. Yeah. Although yeah. I don't think that any kind of designs would, would hit any... For the first two years of Lewis Hamilton's kind of career with Ferrari anyway, so... Yeah. It would have influence. It have yeah, it'd be a development thing. It would nudge them in the right direction, at least. What, so what well, I wonder if it's all too late for Hamilton. And I mean that in the kindest way. No, you, you know, don't. It's, 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 <laughs> what, it's not going to win a championship in 25, right? So it's best shots in 26. And part of me does question if that eight, that, that 21 was his last chance of the eighth, and now he is too old to develop a car to, to put him in the championship position. Um, and I don't know if that's worth a debate, but um, it's definitely worth a question, I think, um, about where Lewis is and if the eighth is even is even possible with, with development time in question. Who knows? Yeah. His, his best year might be this year, you know, 2024. It's not <laughs> yeah. as old as might be a bullet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. Alonso's still convinced he can get title number three. He, he was going to like he was saying he could go to forty eight the other day or something. He yep. some yeah, he's, he's kicked the can down the road. Yeah, <laughs> he made a statement about the fact he wanted to be an F one so many years down the road, and you just look at it and go, you could you could see it, but sh- there must be a limit to what he can do. The ceiling must be somewhere near. <laughs> I don't know. Their their drivers are much fitter these days than they ever were. If you look back, you know, in history, you know these these guys are the fittest humans in the world. You know, uh, so there's no reason why him at 40, you know, eight years old can't be as competitive. Mm. You know, if, if Alonso could could ride, uh, you know, drive a, a washing machine, he'd 
somehow get it to the finish line and, and, and score decent points with it. Because, you know, he's just that sort of driver. So. Yeah, I mean, he, he won Le Mans in the world's fastest Prius. <laughs> I'd love to speak to somebody that knows like the sports science like side of Formula One and how much uh, the drivers can get away with, you know, when it comes to like testosterone replacement and stuff like that. You know, how how far can they push these things before it, you know there's a doping scandal in F1? Because like they, it's if machinery is pushed to the point of like of collapse. In a, in a Formula One car, the drivers have to be doing the same on on like on levels of fitness. So for like Alonso, I, I it would, I, it would flabbergast me that if he wasn't at least on testosterone replacement. I mean, yeah. F F1 signed up to the um, World Anti Doping Alliance, mm-hmm. so you know there are um, permissible maximum levels of testosterone for yeah. every athlete. So whatever he's doing, it's still within the guidance. I mean, the, the thing is, though, some some people are just freaks of nature. I don't know if there's any other American football fans on here, but look at Tom Brady playing um, top-level NFL quarterback into his 40s. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he had a weird diet, didn't he? I mean, I mean yeah, that he, didn't sound worth it. Yeah, he got, to, he got to 40 without ever having a coffee in his life. Now, that's, that's just wrong. No. That's the kind of person I do not trust and never will. Almost, <laughs> if, almost if, as bad as vegans. <laughs> I've never had a coffee in my life, but I've replaced it with about 10 billion Ferrero Rocher. And that's why I'm not Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. That's the same as a coffee. <laughs> You I have got, got, that's friendly, a sociopath yeah. level of swappage, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what that says for me because I love off coffee and Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> Double barreled. You'd be ultimate combo. You don't replace Ferrero Rocher with coffee or coffee with that. You have the coffee with the Ferrero Rocher. This, this, is, this is why I'm now working on something new called type 3 diabetes. <laughs> you, you've gone so far over the edge, but now diabetes is scared of you. <laughs> I've just got Paul in my head now doing some sort of F1 driver style paddock interview going and say, yes, what happens? We, we get to three, we keep pushing, we push for four. <laughs> <laughs> Even Winnie the Pooh looks at Paul and goes, put the jar down, son. Like, no more honey, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat here looking at a half-drunk bottle of Coke and I'm thinking, I can't argue here. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I'm starting to feel bad about the cream egg I'm eating right now. Though. Oh, cream egg. Oh, no, I don't feel bad about the cream eggs. <laughs> it's a white chocolate one, too. I had a white one for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It is so Same. sweet. Yeah, they're, they're, they're weird. weird. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm not a fan of white chocolate cream eggs i'm not a fan of it it was part of a multi-pack can i just say have we just entered into like the patreon version of your podcast (laughs) we've drifted (laughs) we have drifted slightly (laughs) i i have the daniel ricardo book next to me if anybody wants to slide because i i don't think i don't think alonzo's longevity is down to cream egg no. Or Daniel no. Ricardo's book. What just happened then was the conversational equivalent of a moth seeing a candle. 
<laughs> there must be more than one of us on here that has a level of ADHD because that <laughs> I yes. followed everything that just happened there without a problem. Yeah. <laughs> God, you have been listening to us for too long. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say for our American listeners, this is what a cream egg is like, but do they do, they do cream eggs in America? Uh, isn't, isn't America the one that ruined cream eggs because they got purchased by Kraft and then they changed the yeah, recipe? Hi, America. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of American fans too, but we love you, America. Just don't change <laughs> Just leave our cream Enjoy. eggs alone. <laughs> we were so Enjoy nice your, your cream egg and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they banned the Kinder Egg because it's dangerous to children, and if that's not ironic... <laughs> yeah, let's not alienate 35% of our listeners. Eh? <laughs> they do a good job of that themselves, to <laughs> when, when, when was the last time you saw a Kinder Egg storm a school? Kieran, press the button. Don't say it, baby. <laughs> This has gone south, for which I can only apologise. Shall we bring it back on track? I think think we should. Somebody pick an F1-related topic. I've got a serious question about F1. Sorry to spoil the fun. But it it involves a nice scenario, at least. How aerodynamic is a Kumei? Let's ask Adrian Newey. How fast would Alonso be if you skinned his head? Um... (laughs) No, so Alonso has this like incredible body, allegedly. <laughs> you know, you can... <laughs> what are you doing? Where is this, where is this going? Who have you uh, been speaking to? Christ. Yeah. It's like it's Hang like on. I'm speaking with Kieran's body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's eight others here. Crap! <laughs> This is my lonely time. It's turned into GQ magazine or something. (laughs) They're called intrusive thoughts for a reason. (laughs) Let's. How sexy is Alonso? Let's just let's let's flesh it out, guys. Can I I just check? You guys do have you guys do have the explicit mark on your show as well, don't you? They they do now. (laughs) (laughs) We have had it for a few episodes. (laughs) You've got to remember, I'm on the podcast quite a lot. That's fair. But I do go and edit everything out as much as I can. I'll send you the raw. I'll send you the raw audio. <laughs> Taylor, I am so okay. sorry. <laughs> until, until I drop, uh, until I drop the, the c word during a uh, Facebook live. You mean Christian Horner? Yes. yes uh, well, no, uh, he means. Yeah, I done that the last time on a Facebook live before I stopped recording. <laughs> Before you stopped going live, it wasn't just yes. recording; it was live. Oh yes. God! <laughs> yes, I'm shaking my head now. You can't see me, but I am absolutely shaking my head. <laughs> it's expected. Anyway, <laughs> so Fernando Alonso. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, back to Kieran's boyfriend. He is a he is a statistically healthy human being. If we have to be PC about it, <laughs> he's that hunk, chunk of hunk. So he could work. So he thinks he can go to forty-seven, forty-eight, right? But he has to be in demand for that to be the case. So is is it sounds there like he's in demand with you. Was... <laughs> Jane, if you're listening, there's it's only you. It's you alone. It's no one else. 
that's what he's saying is good cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, uh, there's no point. She isn't listening. Um, <laughs> <fell off. laughs> Back on. <laughs> but Fernando might be so carry on. Yeah. Uh, Fernando. Um, so yeah, he has to be in demand, right, from an F1 team. Um, is there anyone who, even if he is fit as he can be, is there anyone who's going to actually invest more than one year in a in-demand Fernando Alonso? Or do we get to a point with Alonso now where he's in his swan song again somehow and the perfect seat for him is a, a year-long or two-year-long seat warmer for Kimi Antonelli if he does turn out to be the real deal? Do you know what? I, th- I think he's still going to go back to Enstone at some point because he <laughs> always does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's I think that's gone. Yeah, uh, I think he burnt those bridges a lot yeah. when he left. Yeah, but yeah. we've said that a few times. True. Yeah. Mm. I, I think I think that like a year at Mercedes, yeah, with it with an option on a second year, like for both parties, is perfect for Alonso. Do you think he'd take that over Aston? Uh, over Absolutely. a two-year, three-year deal uh, with Aston, like, yeah, because he because he would have the chance of fighting for that championship with Mercedes. I don't think, I think Aston are going to be a force in the future and probably will be like a race-winning, if not championship com- competing team. But is it going to be in time for Alonso, or is he yeah, going to be saying maybe I can go till I'm fifty-eight? What's <laughs> the point in offering if they're not going to offer Lewis more than a one plus one? then they're definitely not going to offer Alonso more than a one plus one, given how untrustworthy you could say he is when it comes to contract stuff. I, I think they could now that, he's, uh, that um, Lewis is gone. I think Mercedes might be a bit fearful they would have the same thing. So I could see them offering a better deal to Alonso now Lewis has left. Yeah. Uh, mm. But I would also, what I would do if I was Mercedes, is say, look, we'll take Alonso, we'll give you Antonelli, shove him in your Aston, see how he does because um, he'll probably be better than Stroll. Sorry, Stroll. Um, and we'll have Alonso for a bit, and if it doesn't work out, we'll switch. Um, yeah. That might be the best option. Um, and I know I know Toto was with Flavatori quite recently, wasn't he? Mm. So I, I think that could honestly be a possibility. I the, wouldn't. The thing, the thing you've got to remember, though, is that Aston's going to Honda, so there's no Mercedes tie-ups. And mm. So mm. That, that might be another thing. Good point. I, I wouldn't count out Alonso going back to Aston Martin because if yeah. you've um, if if he leaves and they take Sainz or someone in in his place, you have to be looking at maybe what two years left of Stroll. You know, th- there's gonna there's gonna be a point where either he gets tired of being in a sport where he's just about competing in. Or the team are tired of hemorrhaging points, especially if they get a good car. Right now, he's kind of masked by the fact that the car is kind of good sometimes. Most of the time, it's it's average. And when Alonso was getting podiums, it wasn't the fact of oh, they can they've made a podium car. It's like oh, Fernando's getting the car onto the podium. Where realistically, they should have had two cars like higher up. You don't forget though, Lance Stroll was recovering from a broken wrist at the beginning. Oh no! Of the yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think he's. He, if if it wasn't for like his father, he'd already be gone. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A he million was better percent. with two broken wrists than he was with two functioning ones. I mean, it's best <laughs> race, which is I can, somehow the weird thing. I could definitely see a situation where Alonso gets like his his last go in a good car in a Mercedes and. 
if he does a year there or a year or, or two years possibly, um, and he doesn't want to give up on Formula One, like Aston Martin, fucking like love that guy, and I could see who whoever's already in that team, be it Sainz or or Ricardo or something like that, that becomes their number one. I could see them ending up with foot with Fernando as their teammate again, replacing Stroll. I mean, I don't necessarily think he'll go back to to Aston Martin. There are, you know, he will be in Formula One as long as bad career decisions are a thing. <laughs> I don't know that, that his move right now doesn't seem to be too bad. Give it, give it another year. Is <laughs> <laughs> it uh, and uh, his when he when he took rocked up at Alpine as well? The Alpine when Alonso was in it was a half decent car. And I'm sure the next Alpine that he's in will be a half decent car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't forget, yeah, he may he may have burnt bridges, but um, the hierarchy's changed since he left. Well, yeah. actually, actually, the hierarchy's changed probably because he left, and um, the way that he left and Piastri didn't join in. Yeah, the irony. Mm-hmm. So he's a team wrecker after he's left that team. Yeah. So mm. you know, don't 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 rule it out. With him, um, with him back in the Enstone team under French ownership. Who is the chief at Alpine these days? Because oh, um, it was Otmar, and then it was Laurent Rossi, and then it was someone else. Bellerin or something. His it's name uh, is. Bruno. It's not Bruno. I want to call him Bruno Famine, but I feel like that's wrong. Uh, um, yeah, he was the interim team lead, uh, team principal at the end of the season. Yeah, uh, Bruno Famine is. Yeah, yeah, I think it is yeah. Bruno Famine. Yeah, yeah. but um, he really recently got appointed. Um, but honestly, I'd be surprised if Alpine won the grid in a few years because they've been in quite big chats with Andretti now that they've been refused a place. And I think I, I honestly think that what they've went, to, they changed uh, from Renault to Alpine. And I could see Alpine going, well, Andretti needs a seat, so we could just give them give them everything and get out of here, which I think could be a possibility. Mm. I think it'd be a good thing because it's it's obvious now Renault don't care about being in Formula One. They're in Formula One, but they're not putting the investment in that a works team needs. The thing is, though, you can, you can, say, you can say that about Renault every five years and then they come back. <laughs> this is true, yeah. yeah. You know, Renault, leave, Renault leaving Formula One is like Honda leaving Formula One. It's, it's on everyone's prediction list at the start of the mm. season, and some years it comes true. But, I mean, there were people at the Enstone team going right back to when they were Benetton who were still there through the iterations of Renault, Lotus, booking whatever else you want to call them. Um, and the, the, they've gone. Like, the, there's a lot of people who've been in that team a long time. They've gone to the, like Alan Permain was basically a, a furniture, piece of furniture at Enstone. He's now left, and he's at... Um, whatever you want to call Alpha Tauri these days. I'm not calling them their official name. Um, V-crap. V-crap. No, <laughs> no, because it's basically, if, if it's okay to call your car a sponsor, then let Andretti into the sport, because anyway, that's a whole other yeah. idea to have. Um, Andretti Vauxhall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, when you start... I would agree with that. The, I don't think Alpine are long for Formula One because, like, they like like stalwarts who've been there for like decades are now out of the team. That everybody who's in the team appears to be quite quite new to it. The, the, the management, the board are going to get like, the board are going to get bored, and they're going to want to get rid of the Formula One investment because it's a lot of money, and I don't think they're seeing an awful lot of return. 
yeah, don't, I mean, don't forget, Alpine are actually selling bits of uh, bits of them off, aren't they? Because um, you've got the Redbird Capital, Ryan Reynolds, um, yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm-hmm. um, Rory McIlroy. And, Honestly, put, Anthony them, Joshua. put them at the helm. Mm-hmm. Put them at the helm. See how they can do. They can't do any worse than the current flock. Mm. The, thing I, well you... with, the thing is, well, with Formula One just now, with the cost cap, pretty much every team makes money. It's got value in it. So it's not... The, the issue you have with Haas is he doesn't want to invest to get it up the grid. Mm-hmm. And because of the way it's structured, it's like, it, I don't care if I'm three seconds with, but slower than everybody else, it still gives me value being there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Haas's has profits um, for the, what is it, um, Haas <coughs> Automation Engineering um, of something like quadrupled since they got onto the Formula One grid and it's actually paying for the team now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I, th- I think that this is the issue of the Concord Agreement, which is it, when it when it was originally made and chartered up, it was in fear that teams would leave and that they might go bankrupt. And you know, it's trying to keep the sport alive, basically. But now it's just made all the teams kind of a bit fat and greedy, and it's made it very similar to a lot of American sports in the sense there's no reg- uh, relegation and that you're always there. It's just an asset you can own. And I think by not freeing up the grid, these teams will just consistently not compete uh, or, or be competitive. And we'll just sit on these massive assets and make make loads of profit. So I, I think the issue of the Concord Agreement, although initially it made sense, it's now really holding the sport back from, from its full potential and ultimately could mean it loses all its support. You know, we've had we've got one of the biggest waves Formula One's ever seen of fans, you know, coming through coming through the gates and no one's gonna watch another season of Max Verstappen win how many races in a row. And if you don't breed that competition by bringing in new new teams and you know, by enforcing kind of some some competitiveness, then what's going to happen? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. We're, it's, it's had this before, though, hasn't it? We've had it with Schumacher. We've had it with Lewis. Mm. I don't think it's actually that. Not that it's like great having someone dominating, but again, like whenever someone talks about this season and they're like, it's so boring because Max is winning. Realistically, take Max out the picture. Yeah, he did win, and I know the main races for the title, obviously. But generally, it was relatively close within the midfield, and I really enjoyed watching the midfield event. And if you're a fan of racing in general, I, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy that. Yeah, a lot of the tickets sales for the upcoming season appear to be going well as well like circuits are reporting that they, they've done really well for ticket sales obviously prices are increasing because demand is increasing so people still want to go and watch the races but yeah dominance generally speaking does hurt the sport um but it at the same time it is a sport and it is for everyone else to catch up with the leaders that's 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 the name of the game but the the problem is when the when the people that own the teams don't want to catch up with the leaders because they're doing they're doing very nicely, thank you, without pushing it and spending more mm. money. Yeah, that's that's when things begin to drop off. And then yeah. you get people like Zach Brown coming forward and being like, "Well, there's no, it's a surprise that they're that far out front. They 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 own two teams, and we want to we want to investigate this." <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, can you can't football, can you? I mean, you can own you can own two teams in football, but I think um. Was it uh, the people who own Man City? You kind of excuse my football knowledge, but they, they own another team in Europe. And if they were to go against each other in the Champions League, it would break some some rules basically, and they wouldn't be able to do it because it's owned by the same as owned by the same people. So I find it nuts that you actually you can have two teams owned by the same people on the on the full on grid. I think it, I think Zach Brown is onto something with addressing that, and I think it's something that F1's kind of ignored for the last couple of years. 
I think it's been ignored though, mainly because of just the absolute difference between the teams, yeah. just level wise. And I think that's why it's not really been looked at because it's like, if they were both top challenging, I think that's when people would really raise an eyebrow and be like, hang on a sec, this is something, you know, needs to be looked at. But that is also what they're promising this year, aren't they? To, to work a lot closer with the junior team. I think and, that uh... will happen though. <laughs> I'm just, I just don't, I can't see um, a Visa Cash App <laughs> car being anywhere near the level of the Red Bull, and I, I really, I can't see it. It's a, it was a tractor last year. I don't understand how they're going to like. But they're using last year's Red Bull. Yeah. This year. They seem to have just been given it, haven't they? Mm-hmm. So is everyone so, else from what we've seen. Yeah. If they're always yeah. going to be a year behind everything, I don't know. I feel like it's not, obviously, it's not great having two teams owned by the same people in, in there, and I get your points with that. I just think generally, if, they, if they're behind anyway, and they haven't, the only reason why it hasn't been brought up prior is because of how the difference within the teams, to be honest. Yeah. I think I think, I think the reason sorry I think the reason it was not really like bothered about in the first place is because Toro uh, Red Bull came in and bought another team into Formula One when Formula One was desperate for teams yeah, yeah definitely. so that was they, they were kind of that's one of the reasons why Red Bull got such a standing in the sport is because the, you know they were they were relying on like Red Bull like great these guys will have two teams because at one point back then. We were actually we were you know we were discussing sort of three car teams like to fill the grid up, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but the like when if they've got last year's Red Bull as well, let's not forget what happened with was it either for was it, it was Racing Point wasn't it when Racing Point got the second hand Mercedes and were the second fastest car for the first half of the year. Yeah, yeah, that pissed a lot of people off. And Haas with the Ferrari as well. Haas worked closely with Ferrari and did really well in their opening two years. And yeah. then obviously it's tailed off a little bit because of the rules that have been tightened. But I mean, yeah. if they're getting loosened again, uh, or the you know there's a way to circumvent them, then then you know it's up to the sport to close that off again. Yeah. What it do is. They can do though. What do you think they will ha- like? How do you think they'll challenge this though? With the FIA and stuff. Well, seeing as, seeing as only today the FIA launched their first clothing yeah. range uh, in, <laughs> in, in association with Alpha Tori, I think they're going to do stuff all. Yeah. <laughs> the FIA is going to do, it's, it's just, it's, it's not corrupt, the wrong word, don't say corrupt. They are, um, they're... Say it, go on. People are leaving left, right, centre who are good, and they're just mm. in a massive maybe recession is the word of, of talent you know they they keep i read something about um us these two i think it's a regulator officer just left and um, autosport went to them and was like well you know why is everyone leaving and they were like don't worry we've hired a new uh, diversity inclusion officer well that is really good it's important to have that but also like the important people are leaving um and I think that's a difficulty, which is the FIA aren't actually getting the people in who can regulate this sport well. well um, t- Tim Goss as well. He left the FIA to, yeah, go, that was the other join, one, yeah, to go and join VCARB because, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I'm all sure, that. I'm sure one of the people that left the FIA basically said, I'm leaving because you asked me to do something. I gave you recommendations and you went, nah, you're all right. And that went, might have been Tim Goss, yeah. Yeah, I think that's who that was. Because I, I can't remember what it was he was asked to do, but he put in recommendations based on his job, and they went, we're not going to do that. So he's like, 
okay. I hope I'm away then. <laughs> I mean, which, which is a very strange situation. Yeah, we, okay. t- we touched on this in our last show about the um, about the sort of current loggerheads between F1 and the FIA, and it's gonna it's gonna be a tricky time because it shouldn't this shouldn't happen. But I think if there's any battle between the two of them, the FIA are gonna lose. Yeah, they'll keep the name Formula One, but the racing will just be named something else and they'll go away and do yeah. Formula One will do yeah. its own thing. The World, commercial World Championship Motor Racing brought to you by Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think Formula One management own the rights to Formula One, don't they? So if they go with the sport Formula One, they break away from the FIA, they can have their own championship, but it won't be ratified by the FIA. I think it's a leasing agreement for the name or something. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think the FIA lease, it's like a hundred year lease for the name for the Formula One management to run it as a Formula One championship. I think I think that was uh, that was one of that was some of um, Bernie Max Mosley's doing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was like the last thing they did was to sign that over. So if for the commercial arm of Formula One decide to split from the FIA, they can call it Formula One. But well, I think they knew what we're kind of realizing now, which is um, you know as as much as they were an interesting duo, their, their partnership kept F1 and the FIA together at, at points. Obviously, there was moments where you know it did break down between teams and and the FIA and whatever. But um, now I think you're seeing for the first time because they really are two separate entities for you know for the first time in a very long time that relationship is breaking down. And Andretti was a really classic example of that in the sense that the FIA went, yeah, come along, join the grid. And everyone went, no, they're not joining. Um, and that, that for me shows there's definitely some um, something not working between the two parties. And I think that FIA are much more reliant on F1 than F1 is on the FIA, you know. And yes, name changing would be an issue. It always is. Um, but it wouldn't stop fans watching F1 if it changed name to, I don't know, Formula Uno or something, something you know, slightly different, you know. Pepsi presents. Yeah, well, I, I, with the commercialization, I wouldn't be surprised soon if we do get, you know, Alpha Tauri presents. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Think this sort of thing started. I, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a big thing, wasn't there? Where um, the way Formula One were nineteen fifty. Don't you remember the seventieth anniversary <laughs> Grand Prix was like four years ago? Like you were the one that was alive for it, not me. Um, <laughs> the uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> 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 but do you, do you remember was that point wasn't where all the teams, they said they were changing the structure. Yeah, t- teams are going to have more investment in the future of Formula One. They're going to become stakeholders in the sport. Um, and it's it, it was like the, the end of the Bernie era, which was like, this is where we're going. These are the rules. If you want to come up, turn up and race, you can do it. But it's it's under our it's under our law. Mm-hmm. I feel losing that was the beginning of Formula One's problems because the lunatics started running the asylum. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, what what other what other global sport or even local sport is there where the participant teams make the rules? Yeah, one of them has a veto. Yeah, yeah, mm. and, well, and then if if well, they've been there a long time, <laughs> yeah, but but if there's, yeah, if, if there's a team that's going to come in, if there's a team that's going to come in with the racing pedigree of Andretti, did you say predatory? 
It's a different team. Do you know when you've got far too many things to say in your head that you think could be funny, and it's just there's like speech becomes the bottleneck. That happened. Um, but yeah, like uh, you've got a a team like Andretti with the racing pedigree. Um, they were going to bring a new like engine manufacturer in, and it gets vetoed because the teams can go, yeah, but it's going to like we'll lose some money. So you know, that's not ideal, is it? Uh, that's not a sport at that point. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean now it now it's being discussed at the next Concord Agreement, which comes in in twenty twenty eight. It's going to have a dilution fee of somewhere close to a billion dollars. <clears throat> There was uh, I was talk, uh, talking, I was not on the race.com. Uh, I was listening to the race.com and apparently an unnamed team principal basically said that the new Concord agreement will make it pretty much impossible for a new team to enter the grid. And that's why they've delayed it and they've worded it. Come back in 26, 27 and if you've got, if General Motors has a full, you know, has an engine, we'll let you in. Otherwise, you're just not getting it. You need the GBP of some sort of small Pacific nation, though, wouldn't you, to enter Formula One in nearly a billion if you're kicking it that far down the road and you have to create an engine? You're in for nearly two billion before you even start. Well, funnily enough, they basically said that if you're a fully works team, we can change the rules. It's more or less what they're hinting at. And what's the wording of their kind of like the strongly worded, you know, you're not getting in uh, that they've released. But so if you're in it, admit to that. I mean, realistically, this is the issue, right? Andretti have a full factory which is working on F1 designs for 2026, had hired genuine people to run that team, and they still get rejected. You know, who's going to take the, the, you know, who's going to roll the dice that, you know, they can get everything running so that they could race, the, you know, the day after they were allowed in? Mm-hmm. And then for the team, for the FN, F1 turn around and go, no, we still don't want you. I mean, it's, you know, no company's mad enough to do that. And that's what's insane. Yeah. Is you can have all the providence to prove yourself that you are ready to enter the sport and still get rejected. And I think that's what's nuts. You know, if a team is, it really shows that readiness and everything that is needed for an F1 team, who, who can reject them? Apparently mm-hmm. we can. The crazy thing as well is like with, with saying that the, the only way to bring a team in under that agreement would be. Uh, if it was another manufacturer coming in, it completely forgets the fact that right now the top team in Formula One is an independent company owned by a drinks firm which owns two Formula One teams. Mm. (laughs) And a lot of football clubs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nearly as many as Manchester City. uh, But it has a a glorified sponsor in Ford. That's allowed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it might not seem to be fair. If 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 the Horn investigation goes one way, Ford might scoot off somewhere else. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> with that. Well, they have put out a statement, haven't they, about that? But yeah, we, yeah. It, depend, it depends how close you want to get to the whole Horner investigation thing. Well, Let, let's see. Can we in... afford a, as good a lawyer as him? No. Hello, Patrick. Now listen. Now listen. Okay, I've got a plan. 
if we got 650 people to give us a thousand pounds each <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, what, we then can... we'll give Lee his phone back <laughs> <laughs> well, look obviously it's a very sensitive investigation um, there's lots being reported and uh, I guess in some people might find themselves with some media slapdowns if it all does turn out to be nothing at all. So Yeah, uh, let's, let's see what happens when the official conclusion comes about and save everything else for our WhatsApp groups. <laughs> <laughs> there is only so m- My finger will hurt if I have to keep censoring. So, because <laughs> I heard he... <laughs> in the kitchen. What's that cream egg? <laughs> and Adrian Huey yeah. designed one that was extra aerodynamic. And, and that, let's be honest, that is inappropriate. <laughs> the funny thing was when uh, when the first, when that story broke, I think it was Kieran put put a put it up in our little message board and I replied said listen I'm not even getting involved until there's more details because Vince McMahon has set a really high bar for this sort of stuff right now he has mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah let's not go into that incredibly <laughs> close to the bone uh, yeah. I think Chris just heard me in legal So let's get back to uh, the cars and the designs this year and what we think is going to happen because I feel like the tangent has literally had a tangent. Yeah, I'm going to call it now. I'm going to say that all the all the um, all the cars behind Red Bull will bunch up and be really close, but Red Bull will still have the advantage going into because they, they they basically been working on this year's car for all of last year. Mm. More or yeah. less. Yeah, I think that I think they were the first ones to um, start work on this season's car, and the first ones to f- finish any of the development on last year's car. I think it was a, I think it was around about June, wasn't it? It was something ridiculously. They early. did still have some developments quite late in the season, but it, it was small stuff. I think probably yeah, by June they were probably onto the bulk of this year. Yeah, they, they found a new paint for the sponsors' logos that got them half a tenth a lap. <laughs> so, I'm interested to see how. McLaren will do because from what Same. I've, mm. what I've been reading and what I've been listening to, McLaren have come up with some similar I- some ideas that are very similar to newer ideas from the Red Bull car, but they've done it on their own. It's not like they've seen it and then adapted it. It's kind mm. of they've went in the similar sort of development path. Mm. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what McLaren have done with um, with the floor on the car because they look like they were fudging it a little bit in the renders that they put out. You could you could see certain elements of it at one angle, and in the close-ups, those things weren't there. So that to me says that they might have something interesting that they don't want to share until the last possible second. Funnily enough, I picked up a similar thing when they released it, and I was like. I don't know, I feel like McLaren could potentially have a good car, but every year I say this and, and then it, <laughs> nothing really happens. But um, I re- I do think, based off the look of the car, I, I think they really have worked hard. And I think with Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris in the seats as well, I think even with a car that's not 100%, they could easily get that car on the podium. I mean, they, they were definitely the most improved team throughout last uh, throughout mm. last season. They because, developed well, oh, yeah, easily. At the, at easily the, at the start, they were absolutely nowhere, and everyone was everyone was questioning, yeah. you know, <laughs> was all the fuss over Piastri yeah. actually worth it? Now he's now he's in F one. 
Mm. And you know, by by the end of the season, look you know, look what they were achieving. Yeah. And hopefully the work that they put into last year's car to develop that hasn't taken away from this year's car and we don't get them in the old sort of Force India style second half of the season is when they shine first half you yeah. can just, just forget about I think they can McLaren's biggest issue has always been they can't develop initial car but then they once they start on it it starts flying and they can lock bits and so McLaren's what McLaren should be looking at is where they're at in pre-season testing and if that car is good from the start if it's good from the start I think they'll have a, they'll have a really strong season but there's yeah. been a good couple of years now where they come into pre-season set testing and in the first race, you're like, what the hell's going on McLaren? Um, mm. And that that's their biggest issue. If they solve that, they'll be, it'll be flying colours. But um, And yeah, they did, they were most improved, but you don't win championships by being most improved. You know, you have to stay consistently at the top um, and that's what they need to do. Yeah. I think they've been in the process of rebuilding, haven't they, ever since they got rid of Honda engines. Mm. Yeah, they've done. This is, we're, we're, re- we're starting to see like the fruits of that from that first year without a Honda engine in it. Mm. Um, the Orlando signing the con- signing a contract and signing his future for McLaren, like like medium term, let's say, I think shows that at least he has the confidence that there's something like there's something special there. Yeah. Um. It's the, the the other interesting thing about Lando going to sorry Lando resigning for McLaren is is his rela- relationship with um, Carlos Sainz because it's reported that Carlos knew that he wasn't being retained at Ferrari two weeks before the announcement of Lewis like going to Ferrari. So if he knew two weeks in advance, and his best mate Lando down the road is still shopping around about where he's going to be, I would put money on it that Lando knew that Lewis was leaving. And if he knew that, he would know that he's one of the top contenders for that seat if a top seat disappears in Formula One. Mm -hmm. So if he did know know Lewis was leaving Mercedes, that means he's not just signed for McLaren, he's chose McLaren over Mercedes. Finally, you mentioned that Kiara, who's part of our team, is friends with Lando, uh, and she messaged them, and they he, he whether that was PR speak, didn't have a clue. Apparently, she knew some stuff that happened because Lando had said to her. Oh, by the way, this is happening, but don't tell anybody because you know it's going to come out at this time. But she, when the rumor came out, she messaged them, and according to her, they never had a clue. All right. Well, okay. So it was Lando in that situation. To be fair. Just simply because, how much can he say? Because he is contractually obliged, you know, obliged mm-hmm. to maybe. But he, there's no reason he wouldn't say it. Um, but I do want if Lando, by staying at McLaren, might be limiting himself. I don't know; it might be a controversial opinion. But doors I don't, are I don't think <clears throat> I don't think he's contracted as long as uh, we all think he is. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't think he is contracted as long as we think he is. He's had a multi-year deal, hasn't he? That, that's, it's, it's multi-year and they haven't divulged it. But if you look back, the, if they signed a six-year deal, then McLaren are going to be plastering that everywhere. Mm. Uh, you I think can always get out of a contract when, as yeah. well. There's yeah. always a way out. Let's yeah. not forget. Let's not, 
Let's not forget <laughs> Lewis Hamilton was contracted to Mercedes for next year. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, but there was options. That was an option on his side, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but Lando will definitely have options in the in, the, in his McLaren contract because his stock is that high right now. You know, it's he would have got the best possible outcome in those negotiations that he could have hoped for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his stock's high enough to do that. But if you look at it, like when Verstappen signed his big massive deal, Red Bull were like, he signed up till 2028. When Lando signed his previous McLaren deal, they put out all the details. Mm. You now, all of a sudden, they're going, it's multi-year. It's the same as Leclerc. Leclerc's is multi-year. How yeah. long is that? Well, we're not going to tell you. They even so they I- even gave a woolly statement, didn't they, about, oh, we yeah. don't really need to talk about numbers. He's just here. Yeah. And no. So I don't think McLaren quite got exactly what they wanted, or it's more a couple of years with a few options, or, you know, it's not mm. quite as nailed on for them to then get the PR spin going. But I do think Lando is coming to the end of his time at McLaren anyway. Maybe not in the next couple of years, but it will be. I don't think he'll be there past maybe, I don't know, 2026, 2027. I just, I, I can't see him being there. For, I think, and McLaren know that. I think they're being, Lando's being smart because he knows that McLaren are going to want him and he knows he's comfortable in that seat right now. Mm. Um and I think the reason why they're not like giving the the details of the contract is purely because they know that he's got a release clause. He can, he can probably get out that contract any year he wants. And I do think his time at McLaren is coming to a little bit of an end. Mm. The question is, where would he go? You know, it's a really difficult landscape, F1, right now, if you're a driver on the up. Because, okay, there might be a seat of Red Bull appearing. Um but would you just be second fiddle to Max Verstappen? Mm. I don't think any space is going to throw anytime soon now. I think Charles is not going to leave and Hamilton's obviously there for a bit. So that's pretty stuck in. Mercedes has a seat. That's probably your only option at the top. And for McLaren, maybe Aston's a pretty lateral move. Um, but, Audi um, in a couple of years. Yeah, Audi. But Sainz might be nabbing that now. It's, it's a really tough landscape if you're in McLaren because like, well, realistically there's one place otherwise it's going down and Lando's not really had a close relationship with Mercedes I wouldn't say I mean you could say because they use Merck engines there might be something in that but I, I don't know it's a tough one for Lando do you know it, it's it's a very stickle twist and I think um, for anyone in Formula One at the minute with seats it is just a tricky situation and I yeah. think this is why people were annoyed the fact that the teams can't necessarily like so the new teams are being added well not anymore but if they were there would be more options for seats and I think that's why people really wanted the teams to come in anyway because the amount of talent that we have coming from F2 as well and there's just not like at the minute it's just we're flawed for talent it's like well and we can't even show half of it or see what some people can do in an F1 car because of the amount of seats and who's in where and different things totally Yeah, I mean the, the thing, the thing, the, you know, the difficulty with um, anyone coming up through F two at the moment is drive, drivers' careers are lasting longer, and looking at you, Fernando, <laughs> and there's, there's some that are outstaying their welcome a little bit. We're not looking at you, Fernando. No, I think we're looking at Bottas <laughs> <laughs> or Magnussen or, or Magnuson. yeah, the, there are there are not enough seats for an, for enough talent in F two. And there's, um, you know, there's Lance Stroll. Yes. Yeah. 
there's uh, Nico Hulkenberg as well. Oh, I, God, I like I the guy. Hulkenberg. Mm. I like. Uh, he seems like a perfectly nice guy, but there's there's no way Haas wouldn't seem like a more exciting proposition, even down the bottom back of the grid where they are, if they had two top tier F2 drivers in it. I think yeah, I mean, we all So you know, what I mean, like as much mm. as Mick wrecked the cars and. Uh, Gunther didn't particularly like him for it. We all watched Haz and we all had clo- a close eye on it because Mick was there. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think you're right. Even Haz could be an interesting, um, interesting team should they replace, place replace two boring drivers, or two exciting ones. You know, no offense, Megs and Hulkenberg, but they, you know, they had their time as very exciting drivers, but they're two pretty boring people now who are both dads. And there's no, no, no room to be a dad. <laughs> there's, there's there's just nothing marketable about Haas right now, is there? No. You, oh, great K- K-Mag, oh, the K-Dog, the big man. No, that's Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> oh, Hulkenberg, isn't he slightly funny when he's... The Hulk. He's on the Hulk, yeah. <laughs> he, remember that witticism he did four years ago? Give him a contract. <laughs> no. It, we, why not get, give an Ollie Behrman a try or give yep, a... Exactly. Even Robert Schwartzman, mm. because there's this old thing, isn't there, which <clears throat> I guess has been slightly disproved because of Nick DeFries, but experience shouldn't be a dirty word. Mm. And Robert Schwartzman has been in that Ferrari for three, four, five years as a test driver. Why not give him a hass and give him a go, see what happens? I mean, even going um, back to F2 last year, I mean, Teo Porcher doesn't have a drive, seems how? to be pretty much ready. Freddie Vesti has been in for a couple of years now. Drugovich. Yeah. Well, let's not push it. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Teo Porcher, totally. What are you getting from Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu, sorry? That, lot of money, uh, I believe. Yeah, lot, lot of, lot yeah. of money. And then, then there's the Liam Lawson question. <laughs> you know, I mean... I mean, yes, Liam Lawson should be on the grid next year. I, I, if we do get Sonoda go to... Aston Martin, for example, or we do get Danny Rick promoted up to Red Bull, then yeah, Liam Lawson should definitely be on the grid. That uh, er sound was because my dad makes the same joke uh, yeah. every time Liam Lawson does an overtake. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Pato Award thing as well. Pato Award was trying to come into Formula One. That that would have been another like exciting thing to happen for Formula One. Yep. He kind of bombed in F two, didn't he? He did a few races and was very. Nah. Yeah, but we wouldn't have known about that if he comes straight into Formula One. <laughs> Colton Herter as well, didn't he mm. test a McLaren at one point? Uh, yeah, we got exclusive footage of it because it just so happened that Adam Smith was in Portimao the same day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he oh, couldn't get his. It was the super license. That, yeah, the, that was that was the yeah. super license. It was it was something like um, five points short and. I think, you know, the FIA in their um, Supreme Wisdom said, no, you're American, you can sod off. Because yeah. of IndyCar. IndyCar doesn't give you enough points, but it's that that's silly in my I think if eyes. you're if you're at the top end of IndyCar for a couple of years in a row, you would accrue enough points. But I think he had an off-season in the middle of, is it three years that go to your super yeah. licence? Mm. I think he'd had a bit of a rough season, so he just wasn't quite there. Yeah. Isn't in the case of regional F four, if you win the championship there, you get the same amount of points as fourth in the IndyCar championship. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. And of course, another another IndyCar driver that does have the points now, but doesn't have the contract, or might have had the contract and torn it up, is Alex Palau. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Who so was what happened really with that? bang average when he was in F three? Mm. So. 
Um, he signed for McLaren, and then Chip Ganassi Racing said, hang on a minute, you've signed for us. So he went back to Chip Ganassi Racing, and then had an agreement to go to McLaren um, for this upcoming season. And then said, oh, I'm not coming to McLaren now, I'm staying with Chip Ganassi Racing. Right, okay. So he's managed to tell two teams to sod off, and one's kept him, and McLaren are now suing him for tens of millions. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar Piastri made the right choice. <laughs> it was that it was that good a decision that his management team went, ah, see you later. <laughs> they, they ditched him as well, went, okay. Good, good oh, amazing. Yeah. So no management, no money. But I got Chip Ganassi though. Yeah. I mean he's got he's got two titles as well, so he's not done too bad out of it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> But he was another sort of F2 job, well, back in ye olden days, mm. GP2 GP, driver. I think it was GP3. I don't know if he ever got GP3, to GP3. I think, I think he did he, GP3 and then went to Super Formula. I think he did a bit in F2. He may have done and like a guest stint. I shall look it up very quickly. But oh, he's, he's, one of those drivers. <laughs> he's one of those drivers that was just lost to yeah. the cause. You know, drivers who came 7th or 8th in the championship but never really went anywhere. And now he's a double IndyCar champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you, the, the good people at F, Everything F1, yeah, Christian Lungard on the uh, podcast yeah. week before last, last week. Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. There's another 7th in or 8th in F2 but is now doing things in IndyCar. Race winner not... in IndyCar, I think. Yeah, he did win a race. Yeah. We, had a, we had a chat about him, about his moustache because he, uh, he went so <laughs> Taped it off, I think, on on the podium. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting, that isn't it? The kind of the talent that's gone to the F two talent that's gone to uh, IndyCar mm-hmm. has done really well after being quite mid. Some would say in a, mm-hmm. in, a in other series. I think um, was well, speaking about Ilo actually. What in, mm-hmm. in the group in black? I'm not saying he's mid. He was. I thought he was always very good, but he, I felt like he was always quite an ignored talent. He was what, yeah. in his season against Schumacher and Jao, wasn't it? Or oh and. Yeah. Um, Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Yeah. I remember watching Bahrain. Uh, was that when Schumacher won it? Uh, won the championship? There was a very close race at the end and Alec could have won it, basically. And because he didn't win that season, I felt like he went very ignored. Mm-hmm. But I think he's doing quite well um, in IndyCar now, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't have a contract. but he's He, he lost his seat to Grosjean, I think, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that would be so <laughs> that Well, but he's got. He's got. <laughs> I promise I will never do this on another podcast again. <laughs> this is Come a long way. I love it. He's got a. He's got a tip for McLaren because mm-hmm. my is broke a wrist or, mm-hmm. or something. He came so, on yeah. his bike, I think, didn't he? No, yeah, 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 so he's testing to maybe do the do the McLaren drive until he gets back. So. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's off till. I think he's going to miss three races. Mm-hmm. I think I read that somewhere, uh, which is obviously the first three openers. So we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, I, I lots of weird ones. I always felt like he really was quick. Um, I mean, he was quicker than Jack, yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's really been forgotten. I think that's the upsetting thing about the lack of seats in F1, F2, and kind of other series, I guess, but mainly F1, is you have these talents which are completely missed, but yet other people come through that were less talented, you know? Um, I, I do think the question of money and kind of greed might be the wrong word, but I'm kind of going to use it. But, you know, that kind of greed for, for money in Formula One, I think you see it in other sports like football. You know, obviously it's been a, a lot of it's been bought up by Saudi money, but the competition is still really there. 
Um, and I do want to sometimes, if, if F1 could be a bit too greedy in, in its profits, as you were saying with Haas and other teams. Um, so, yeah. The only good thing about that is a, a lot of drivers are now seeing IndyCar as a viable progression. It never used to be. Yep. It was when Nigel Mansell went there to finish his career. Now it's like, I'm going there to start my career. And you're seeing some drivers, uh, what's the name, is it Jack Aitken, who now wants to mm -hmm. focus on the WEC and do sports cars. So they're now realising that Formula One positioned itself as the pinnacle of motorsport, and now drivers are going, actually, is it? Because it's definitely mm -hmm. like, um, made it so that more viewers will go to other motorsport as well. I've not mm -hmm. seen so many people watch IndyCar or like different motorsport events until recently. I think when I used to talk about motorsport to my friends, always be Formula One. And now literally everyone has gone to different series just to see different drivers. And I think mm -hmm. that is down to the case Formula One is completely isolating themselves for money. Yeah, I, I would argue that it is, it's it's only the drivers that don't make Formula One that question whether it's the pinnacle of motorsport or not. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on the... Um, it's it's brought fans into other motorsport series. I mean, it completely surprised me today at work that I was having a conversation with a couple of people about the uh, 12 Hours of Bathurst that was on this weekend. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I never thought I would have this chat with... Um, anyone else, anyone other than a hardcore motor racing fan? Does years, that come down to having ago. people like Rossi doing cars now, and like Alonso going into IndyCar for a bit and doing the five hundred? I think it does. I mean, I think, I think the, I think over here definitely the Rossi effect because mm. we are we are a rarity on the Isle of Man that we don't talk about bikes all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. Hence the three legs, four wheels, <laughs> just to separate from the two wheeled fans everywhere. Um, <laughs> But um, it, you know, if it if it gets if it gets more eyes on other different forms of motorsport, then that's great. Then I can you know I can carry on talking to people at work about WEC and IndyCar and NASCAR if anyone stays up late enough on a Sunday. NASCAR is the only motorsport that I just find so boring. I, I just I look can't at them and think, <laughs> yeah, I look at them and think, yeah, you've had relations with family members <laughs> the only bit yeah. I really enjoyed was at one point last year someone crashed and then he waited for the next lap for the guy that had crashed into him to go uh, past and yeah. threw his helmet at him I enjoyed that very much otherwise <laughs> yeah, they, they, not so much she's my cousin the worst thing is he missed he didn't hit the, the guy oh. with the helmet no, the question like, is, which helmet was it? It's, it's <laughs> the extra finger it gets in the way on your throwing hand. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I used to think that about NASCAR, but I've got to, I've got to be honest and say that... Um, you sim, bloody love it. Sim racing has really got me into watching NASCAR <laughs> because there is actually an element of skill to it. I, I actually... I'm just going to step in and say I, WEC, when Alonso was doing WEC, I tried watching it, did find it quite tedious. It's good for the first hour. <laughs> then after then after that it's like, oh, they're leading by three laps. Mm. Like and, and just like, well, how are you gonna get three laps back in five hours of racing? Like you you're not really. And then you come back and watch it like four hours later and say, so I'll just go and see what's happening and it, it, the the lead is just extended more. It's just like okay, so nothing really has happened. I've not missed anything in the last 
four hours. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, but I gave it a go. I gave WEC a go. And for me, I was just like, oh, this is like, this is literally most of the time I'm awake for today spent watching a race, which not much racing is happening. Yeah. I think if you watch the whole thing, if you like, for example, people who watched the whole 24 hours of Le Mans Paul. sat there. Uh, I think it's slightly sociopathic because it is very, like, Paul. can be very tedious. <laughs> no, Sorry, Paul, if I've just offended you. I think with those things, there's, there's an art to watching it. I think there's like ways you do it which can make it really fun. It's called um, a, it's called a drinking game. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, car car, think, car think, on fire, two fingers. Car going the wrong way in the pits, finish your drink. You know, it's it just just things like that, and it gets you through. Exactly. The thing right. is, I when, think being when... there makes a difference. I think this is what everyone's going for, right? It's the festival vibe of Le Mans. I mean, well, one of the best films I made is Le Mans, uh, the Steve McQueen Le Mans film. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because it captures that kind of idea of like Le Mans being more than racing at points. And it has like the the scenes where he's not racing, and it's like it's like he's at some larger event. And I think that's what everyone wants, which is now. You know, you have the concerts and um, all these different things. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely an element of, of endurance racing, which makes it so spectacular. I really want to do 24 hours of Nürburgring purely because it looks absolutely mental for for the for everything around the track. It, it almost feels like at some point the racing is secondary to, to, the, to the drinking next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Try it on iRacing. You get to do the drinking and the driving at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of the comfort of your home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was it when think... um, when Liberty took over F1? Chase Carey said he wanted twenty one Super Bowls. And mm. after after just watching the Super Bowl, it means we're going to get twenty one attempts at competitive national anthem singing to see how long it can last. And then <laughs> then Usher's going to turn up halfway through. And 21 oh. races in America by the looks of all the planning permission that's been put forward. Mm. <laughs> ah, that, that, that reminds me, that was something that came out today. Apparently the um, Clark County in Las Vegas um, don't actually have a long-term agreement to host the Grand Prix and they're not overly keen on it continuing. Isn't there, a, there's, a, there's a 10-year agreement in place for the Grand Prix, but the permit only lasts for three years. Oh, no. Mm. You've got to love oh, that's bad planning. <laughs> <laughs> because we, weirdly, it doesn't along locals, was it? It was a very um, like F one loved it, yeah. and fans loved it, and those who flew in their private jets loved it. But the actual locals of LA, it's uh, not LA, Las Vegas, uh, kind of hated it. Um, so it's one of those controversial things. But I know Chicago have looked at a race. Mm. No, New York are looking at a race. Um, I mean, is there not a major, uh, sorry, uh, American city that doesn't want to host an F1 race right now? Elizabeth Town, Kentucky. (laughs) I'm going to say Charlotte, and only that's because where NASCAR's based. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The the South won't take it. The only thing I liked about NASCAR was that there was it last year that the guy just threw it around the wall uh, and just floored it to win the race. Oh, the Ross Ross Chastain move, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, God, the wall do, is my I, break, I do, and also my steering wheel. I do watch too much NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I found it really funny when they came out and said that they were changing the way that they put the wheels to the car to a similar to a Formula One style, rather than like the five bolts. And the fan base went mental. They're like, <laughs> "What? Over bolts and a wheel? Really?" 
Okay, that's how exciting your sport is, that you're going to moan about how the tyres are bolted to the car. Right. Okay. Yeah, but it's the deep south. There's, you know, there's traditions. They've done they've done things this way for tens of thousands of years. You know, things like marrying your cousin and deep seated ingrained racism and all that. You know, it's got to carry on in NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't change like, now. <laughs> just because you've had a deep seated love of your sister in a different way doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that offends all three Isle of Wight people here. I just like to uh... <laughs> who we all might be related <laughs> to the same sister. <laughs> Given the size of, of, of part of my family, yes, that's an entirely possible connection. Keep it in the family, eh? Yeah, it's, it's not a gene pool, it's more a gene birdbath. <laughs> no, it's a pool, there's thousands of them. <laughs> I think we've covered um, quite a lot tonight, and I think we've managed to do this without talking over each other um, massively. Is it time that we um, plugged our our sh- individual shows and socials and what have you, and um, we'll let the every- everything F one team go first? Okay, so yeah, we are everything F one. We have chats. I'm not going to say very similar to this, but we do have chats uh, all the same um, about the wonderful world of Formula One and other motorsports as well. Uh, we've interviewed loads of great guests, uh, as you know, Paul said uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, Lundgaard was one of our guests recently. We had Rob Smedley, and we are always pl- trying to get more and more guests to come and chat to and interview as well and get some good uh, conversations with. You can follow us on all our socials. We're on. We're at, at joinef one. Uh, on all socials and of course we'd love it if you'd hit the subscribe button on our podcast streaming service to get all of your our latest podcasts in your earlobes thank you and um for everyone, anyone that hasn't listened to us before we are three legs four wheels obviously we cover f1 with i'm just going to say quite a few tangents that we do <laughs> um veer into some of them involving motorsport many many of them not we also uh we also cover a little bit of sim racing as well because i've taking it up and i'm inflicting it on everyone um <laughs> again we've had quite quite a few um quite a few guests on from uh, from the world of motorsport including roman grosjean's en- race engineer at one point which i'd completely forgotten about i love that you lead on that and not like lando and george russell i was i was, I was building up i was building up to lando and george russell <laughs> You know, wow, we're small fry compared to you if you've had those two. That'd be amazing. <laughs> it was before there were F1 drivers, but they're still, they've still been on the show. Um, and you can get us on all the socials at Three Legs, Four Wheels. And again, if uh, you're not a subscriber already, um, subscribe to us on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. Yes. Right. Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for... Um, joining us and um putting this together and i think um i think people are going to enjoy this and it'll be um it'll be a good intro to uh, to both our shows mm. yeah yeah thank you very much for having us thank you uh you know we, it was good to have a chat and kind of meet you all and uh, yeah. uh, Co- coops was a bit of a fanboy and he was, he was like, <laughs> i've got to be on this one i've got to be on i, I, I get it a, bit, I a bit of me it's... wanted to spite him and just say no no you're not on this one coops. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not saying anything but he has been um tweeting and messaging me on discord for about the last two weeks since we arranged this <laughs> yes yeah okay I, i've been fanboying it yes i'm on the discord i've been making oh. sure i'm following you all on twitter as well i've only I, just connected <laughs> That. You're Coop's EF1. I am Coop's EF1. I just love that. 
He's the store. I'm cast. Kieran He's is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I even I even have myself a tinfoil hat because he didn't want the cameras on, and it was all for Lee. But he didn't want it. It's fine. Nope. Now we've now we've mentioned it. I'm going to plug my show on Saturday. Come come and listen to Alien Addict if you, especially if you're in the states. We have the Q Shaman. Uh, from the January 6th insurrection <laughs> in for an interview. I think, I think, 10 o'clock. I think you, have ju- you have just won best guest name 10 o'clock. drop of the night. 10 o'clock UK, 5 Eastern, YouTube Rumble and X. And yes, I did look at that before I came on the podcast as well. <laughs> so you're going to be talking to the guy who dressed up as a giant teddy bear without a shirt on. Or Jamiroquai, yeah. <laughs> Jamira quid pro quo. <laughs> so what do you think of a new president, then? <laughs> you might not lead with that. No. Um... <laughs> I mean, technically, you'll probably say we haven't got a new president. It's still Trump. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <I> just... <laughs> My hobby's fucking weird. <laughs> um, you just said what eight other people are thinking. <laughs> I think at one point Lee had about 14 podcasts going. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's yeah. not so bad that we're down to like two. Well, it can't, the kind of, universe. Alien, Alien Addict is now live Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but how do you watch Gogglebox? I mean, that's. I, <laughs> that's wait till I, Monday. I don't watch the Tell, tell A Vision, Kieran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Tell You Vision, more like. Am I right? No. Yeah. He gets all his information. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Do you know what? <laughs> Seeing as how, seen as how we've, we've, we've drifted, it like. The guys shouting at one must be wondering what the hell is happening here. <laughs> no. It was fucking wild the other day. About two days ago, I got a shout out on the Alex Jones show. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking weird. Well done, Tilly. You can edit that one right out. (laughs) Yep. That'll be on the cutting room floor. (laughs) Was it a shout out or was it a shout and go away? No. (laughs) Thank you. It was a thank you. Oh, no. Oh, what? He's got he's bought shares in Baker Foil and you're keeping them propped up. Yep. <laughs> and on that note, thanks everyone for um, for listening. And, um, you think people te- are still listening? <laughs> yeah, if you've still been <laughs> this long. Uh, enjoy testing this week and we will be back next week with, I'm sure we'll both be doing uh, previews of what is to come in Bahrain. We'll see you see soon. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.